Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 134 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Ben Moss-Woodward, otherwise known as Commander Aid of Ice, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder this evening we have Chris Jarvis, otherwise known as Commander Thane. Hello, how are you doing? We're doing very well, thank you. Good, sir. Good, good. And... Officially welcoming to the crew of the Orange Sidewinder, we're joined by Andre Marshall from the Paladin Consortiums. Why, thank you. Thank you, Ben. It's good to be here. And, uh, yeah, thank you. You're a complete muppet for joining us, but thank you, sir. You're very welcome. Well, as ever, we'll start off with what we've been up to this week. So, Jarvis, you want to start that out? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, doing some uh, stuff. Um, that's sorry, that sounds really vague. Obviously, is that, a, on... is that a technical term again? That, that is a really technical term. Sorry, you, I wasn't expecting you to come to me first for some reason. I don't know why. There's only three of us. There was a good fifty-fifty chance that you were going to come to me. I wasn't um, going to do me first. I'm not that egotistical. No, 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 absolutely. Um, so I've been. Um, uh, working on the Escape Velocity series finale, and I've been working on a bunch of stuff for the the live stream I'm doing this Sunday. I'll talk about that a bit later. But basically, this Sunday is the the last episode of Escape Velocity series three, and I'm going to be doing a stream on Twitch from 12 p.m. Uh, all the way up until you know at least the um, the the episode uh, premiere at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, and then I might be hanging about for a bit afterwards as well. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of patron backers time. Um, after the episode we do like a director's Q&A stuff after each episode um, so I've been working on that I've actually been uh, I've actually been playing a game I've actually been I've actually you know had a little bit of time for gaming I managed to play a nice little uh, uh, adventure which is kind of like I'm going to show a little video of it on Twitch but it's sort of a bit like um, it's, it's a bit like sort of a, a mist type game uh, but it's got quite basic I say basic graphics. I actually think it looks beautiful. Its sense of lighting uh, and the way that the, the scenes are designed is actually incredible. But it's not like wonderfully textured or, or like really detailed objects. It's 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 kind of almost like an art project. But it's a really fascinating um, first person kind of uh, adventure game. And I picked it up. I think in the Black Friday sale for like seventy nine p. So it's just yeah, it's just really nice. Um, and I, I thoroughly recommend it. it's Cairo with a K. Thoroughly recommend it to anybody. Um, I had a lot of fun with that, and it's interesting to me, you know, because I really like adventure games, but I'm not always very good at them, and I tend to find myself, you know, within ten minutes of any kind of adventure, just searching online for a for a walkthrough, <laughs> and just trying to get my head around it. And actually, this game, I did, I would say, probably ninety eight percent of it without without a guide, which for me means the puzzles are nice and logical and. Uh, and good fun but it's a really nice little kind of indie i think like one guy created it or something which i think is very rare in gaming these days so it's uh an interesting experience you know interesting experiment but that's that's been my week okay yeah i mean that is quite rare because even oh that project that darren gray is involved with the i want to call it the doom roguelite one but it's not as it jupiter hell um jupiter hell you know that's well there's at least four or five of them working on it isn't there yeah, and I might be completely wrong in saying that this this game was developed by one guy because um, it's entirely possible that, that you kind of loads more people were involved in it, but it's only really his name that comes up in connection mm. with the development of it. So um, it's kind of uh, yeah, it's just it just you know it, it's it's really interesting and really nice and really kind of dreamlike and there's no kind of overt plot or. 
um, like a voiceover or loads of text. It is, you are literally just walking around kind of picking up clues. It's quite, I think they're quite inspired by things like Portal. I think it's probably quite a big influence. Um, and I'd say probably things like Mist and, and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, it's just yes, really nice little thing. Okay, well, cool. So what have you been join- doing since you've officially got asked to come and play? Your wife is talking to you, I'm assuming, Marshall. Uh, it, yeah, we're on talking terms, so yeah, it's all good. <laughs> that, that's always a good that, sign. In, in that area, yeah. Um, um, the Paladin Consort run an, run an event over the weekend, what we call um, Mining Mayhem, which is, is regular mining, which some people might find a little bit a little bit boring, maybe a little bit tedious, but the spin we put on it is um, mining in a hazardous res site. Uh, and of course, the NPCs in there are a little bit grumpy. Uh, so we... How, how it how it forms is that wings go in there a couple of miners a couple of protectors it usually descends into absolute chaos within about 20 minutes of npcs coming in trying to kill the miners the defenders trying to kill the npcs the miners actually trying to mine uh, so yeah it's, it's a good fun event uh, so yeah that was that was that was a real highlight of the weekend it was good fun uh- at the moment, I'm currently hanging out outside of Lave Station, um, but I've been... I went off to see Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them with my son and a friend of his over the weekend, um, and I really enjoyed it, actually. Have any of you guys seen it yet? Yes, I've seen it. It is... It's it's very Harry Potter, isn't it? It's, it's... it's very Harry... I've, I really enjoyed it. My son found it was a bit too long and... Maybe not Harry Potter enough for him, I think. Oh, right. Um, I don't know if he just found it too long or what he found, but he, he wasn't that impressed with it. But I, I, I loved it. I, I, I actually think it was one of the better ones. I really, really, really yeah. enjoyed the film. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. a sucker for New York. I, I, I love the city, and obviously it was set in New York, and it just, yeah. you know, set, it was it in the 20s or 30s it was set? New York in the 20s, yes. Yeah, and it's it a lovely, just... it's a lovely time period. Yeah, I love yeah. the whole speakeasy thing that they did, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although yeah, I do good. think that American wizards seem to have a better dress sense than British ones seem to. Yeah, what did they, what did they call muggles? What was the American version? Oh, they name. call them nomadges. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nomadge. Yeah, yeah, muggle. I'm sorry, but no, they're muggles. I don't know. What, but I did think that the wizards in 20s America seemed to dress a lot more like normal human beings than wizards in the 1990s, 2000s. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of that kind of Dick Tracy vibe going on there, wasn't there, with all of the kind of the trench coats and the uh, drill boots yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, apart from that, in game, I was doing the um, community, the trading community goal, and managed to make it into the top ten percent of that. So that netted me a cool thirty million, which I was quite pleased about. Um, other than that, I was actually I've been playing Mass Effect one a wee bit, as I mentioned last week, and that's really been that's been the story of my life, I guess. Yeah, actually, I've just started Mass Effect three. I picked that up in the Origin sale. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love Mass Effect 3. Yeah. I like one. I like the Mako. I know a lot of people loathe it. but I love the Mako. I, yeah, I think it's the terrain yeah. that 
mauled the thing. Terrain is just horrific. Oh, the, the yes, that, yes, that, but... I agree. Okay. I mean, the, oh, yeah. I think the Mako itself is awesome. Driving it over flat or slightly bumpy terrain is amazing. But so much of the terrain was, here's a vertical cliff up, and here's a vertical cliff yeah. down. Uh, yeah. And that was the that was so frustrating. But the actual handling of the Maker was great. Just those maps were atrocious. Yeah, I suspect a lot of it was to do with the fact that there were actually quite limited, you know, bounds of the kind of the sandbox um, in in Mass Effect One. And I think a lot of those vertical cliffs were to kind of keep you inside a sort of defined exploration yeah. area but yeah i really liked that i really liked the thing of just wandering around a planet and similar to what kind of horizons now offers is just being able to sort of find interesting stuff on planets to interact with um it was a much more kind of you know explorationy game i think in in mass effect one um than, than my experience of two yeah. i don't know what three is like i haven't got that far i'm still on mars <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I can't, I can't remember that. Um, yeah. I my favourite thing about Mass Effect One is actually the whole walk around the Citadel stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm I've always been a bit of a sucker for political sci-fi. I guess you could say. Yeah, I love the politics parts of Babylon Five, for example. My favourite episodes of Star Trek were the ones where you had all the admirals in fighting with each other. Everything like yeah, I loved everything like that. I'm trying to remember which um, bits of Babylon 5 weren't the politics bits. <laughs> I used to have a friend, I don't think he was a fan of Babylon 5, he used to call mm. it the all-talk, no-action sci-fi show, which I thought was a little had, bit harsh. But... You had Sheridan <laughs> Newcomb to the Glotho. Yeah, 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 but, you know, it's, uh, it, it is probably more politics-heavy than, than, than maybe a lot of shows, but I think, you know, I, yeah. I think better for it. Um, I, uh, I do too. I, I, th- I prefer it, and but that means I, I, I like that aspect of the whole politics that you have to deal with in Mass Effect 1 as well. And I don't... You, that wasn't such a big deal in 2 and 3, because I don't think a lot of people liked it, but I loved it. I, I liked I liked the role-playing opportunities in, in Mass Effect 2, and I know it's quite limited to sort of binary mm. choices, but I just decided that I was going to go... Um, whatever it is, renegade, and just just be a complete ass with every decision. Okay. I, I also decided that my shepherd would be quite a heavy drinker, and the only way to kind of really simulate that in the game is basically any any time you walk into a location where there is a bar where you can interact and buy a drink. I said, right, my shepherd is going to never pass up a bartender ever. Every t- doesn't matter if I'm on my way to like you know. The- Could you not drink? You've got to get there quickly. They're dying. I was like, you yeah, know, there's still time for a shot. So I decided that every time yeah. I'd come across a bar that I would drink. And interestingly enough, because of that, I actually discovered a bit of gameplay that some people have not come across, mm-hmm. which is when they, you come across a, a bartender who's um, xenophobic. And because you're human, he gives you a poison drink. And then when you recover, you go and beat him up and sort him out and teach him the error of his ways. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless you drink in every bar in the game, that's the kind of gameplay you're not going to come across. So I was really, I was really yeah. pleased by that. That was really good fun. So, Were you able to drink so much that you'd actually pass out? Do you know I didn't because I decided that despite the fact my shepherd would be a drinker, that they would be kind of like a rather than like a session drinker they would just be like you know like they would always have a drink every time they come to a bar but they wouldn't stand there and order shot after shot so i don't know i don't know if there's any uh inebriation effects i vaguely recall from when i played mass effect one that there was 
because I think I just stood at a bar ordering drinks, waiting. I, to have, I, I have a feeling I did too, and I think I did, but I, I don't want to bet on it. If anyone watching my stream, I know Java, you're streaming at the moment. Are you on your way to Lave, or what are you doing no, on your stream just now? No, you know me. I'm Chris. under my rock. I'm under my rock. I'm going to. Uh, oh, okay. I'm going to court disaster by going into a resource extraction site while streaming. Oh, and, oh, to... and you're in your you're in your vulture. I'm in my vulture. Yeah, actually, I should. Um, I bought a skin uh, and a bobblehead. There you go. Everyone can see my little Toku bobblehead there on. Uh, oh yes. On the on the uh, counter. Um, so let's have a look. Um, Let's have a look here. What, what yeah. did I? Yeah. What colour did? By the I way, Commander, whoever is saying that he remembers getting drunk. Yeah, I think I seem to remember from Mass Effect One there was kind of wobbly walking mm. um, for a little while. So I think I went for the bright yellow, vibrant skin for my vulture. By the looks of things, there's not a lot of light here, but from what I can tell from the ship lights, um, that's what's going on. Someone's asking mm. into his chat. I presume they're asking me, seeing as I'm the only person twitching. Have I got pulse lasers? You know, that's a really good question. I actually can't remember my loadout. Um, <laughs> what on earth is my loadout? Let's have a look. Um, burst lasers. I'm on burst lasers. So one of the things I've been doing in my current my current game um, is I have I've been... Um, <laughs> I had a few disasters when I bought my vulture. Um, I got killed a few times and I bought too much stuff. And I realised what I've done is I've spent my rebuy for my asp so i now can't go back into my asp until i've earned my credits back to fly the asp around and what i also want to do is um earn enough money and resources to go and find an engineer because i believe what i want is for the for the vulture is multi-cannons with the um the uh whatever it's called the uh, corrosive effect on it that's what i've been told i want is multi-cannons the corrosive effect's quite evil you should know about this marshall i'm assuming yeah, the corrosive effect gives you a, a, a damage bonus against hull, but you have to get the shields down before it's... Um... But the thing, again, yeah, because the, the Vulture has two Class 3s, so I've, I've been reliably informed, and you know, I, I take this from people who do a lot more combat than I normally do, that um, Class 3 multi-cannons with corrosion effect should do sufficient damage to, to lower shields. That is what I've been promised. I don't know if that's a lie. It is what I've been well, promised. Yeah, you can use them, um, there's other effects that you could that you could use as well. I mean, I think it's horses for courses, and obviously there's a new balance suite that's going to be happening. Well, what would the thermal do? Because I I'd have thought that you'd be better with multi cannons and thermal, but I don't know. Maybe it was the, it was either thermal or corrosion. I can't remember which. I I've got a message from this person that was giving me a recommended build for a vulture, and it was either thermal or corrosion. I forget which. You'd probably be better off with one of each, one to knock the shield down, than the other one to uh, that's give a good the call. damage mm. uh, That's a good call. Uh, and now that we've got coloured lasers, you don't need to have your OCD getting all stressed out that you got no. one green <laughs> laser and one red laser. You know me worryingly well. <laughs> uh, I'm just annoyed that we can't have green and red laser. You know, I can't apply the the laser colour to each individual weapon. You know, it just seems to be it's an all or no- nothing effect, and that annoys yeah, me a wee bit. That got me wanting rainbow lasers. We all want rainbow <laughs> lasers. Yeah, it'd be cool, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. Why not? Oh, now, seeing as we're talking about engineers, why don't we talk, go on to the engineering, cra- crafting commodity stuff that was announced over the weekend? Oh, because they were they were saying that they're not going to imminently release um, commodity storage, so it's kind we're, of a, a get between um, a go between, isn't it? This um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a plaster or a stopgap yeah, measure. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, there's basically three options. Do nothing and we'll get it eventually. So basically keep to the status quo. Temporarily remove crafting commodities from the blueprints and until we actually get crafting commodities. So at the moment, if something asks you for one ton of widgets, it's not going to ask you for that anymore. Or thirdly, allow starports to actually sell you your one ton of widgets for the for the engineers. Now, I got the feeling that Frontiers, yeah, Frontier are actually saying that their their favourites is for removing the crafting commodities from the blueprints. I'm probably going to go with them on that. I that would probably be mine. It's like it's the it's, I would assume it's the easiest to do. And it doesn't really affect anything else in the game. But do you guys have any preferences over this? Do you think that doing the right idea or left idea or just don't care? My personal thought is there should be a D option permanently remove them. Because it's a big... big, I mean, you can have the material requirement, but having that one commodity... It's it's usually one commodity that you have to lug around. Particularly if you're in a combat ship, it means that you've then got to put a cargo hold on it to carry it. And it might not jump very far, and it, it's a whole pain in the backside, really. Um, well, I think the, the option B, if it is implemented, which is sensible-ish, is just going to make people moan when they reintroduce. What about if with this module storage you'll get... Sorry, this commodity storage, you'll get something like our existing module storage, so you'd go into engineers or whatever and you'd see the module storage section and you could ship your one ton of widgets to the engineer base for a fee that would be more viable but then you'd still have to have a cargo hold to put to ship it put it onto your ship to then well it depends if you have to give it to the engineer or just say you know hey go and get it out of live station dude and you pay a thousand credits or whatever to get it from live station i think that would be better it's, it's just yeah. I I just think it's a bit. It's just just it just adds another layer. Getting hold of the materials can be tricky enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, let alone getting those twenty five modular terminals that you need for Marco Gwen, um, which is a pain. You know because they're only mission available commodities. They can't just buy them from um, from any of the stations. So I've always I've always been against that even though obviously I've done it I've done the done that part of the grind to get to unlock whatever um, yeah that's, that's what I think sorry. sorry I've currently made myself the my my little fighter is currently the jam in a Corvette sandwich <laughs> getting squashed and I'm actually inside one of the other Corvette shields because we can <laughs> I well, think I'm getting squished down. This is this could be interesting. I might die here. <laughs> what are you in? You in a side? No, I'm in the. I'm in my ship launch fighter. Ah. Uh, sitting in between two corvettes. So I have a question actually about module storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, having having not actually done it in practice, which is if you if you go and visit an engineer, um, can you go and get an engineer crafted weapon? Like, so say I took my ASP and I said, right, I'm going to go and get my ASP. I'm going to get the engineer to upgrade the weapons on the ASP. Can I then bring that engineered weapon back to where my vulture is and swap them over onto the vulture? Yes, but the challenge that you've got is that the weapons for your vulture, yeah, yeah they're yeah. large. That's annoying. 
Oh, well. Maybe I, maybe I fly the ASP there and use the vehicle transfer thing. It won't let you do that because there's no vehicle transfer storage. It won't let oh, you transfer engineers. vehicles. Yeah, you can only transfer modules there, which again is another bit of a pain in the butt. There's got to be a station nearby, though. Yeah, yeah. Usually, there's a, well, you know, I think pretty much every to every system that has, is a station near an yeah. engineer base. Cause it, yeah, because it's jumping to the system. Because my vulture is currently what's my jump range? Why can't I see it on here? Uh, my jump range, I reckon, is maximum. Well, it looks like I've got it up a little bit. It's about twelve point five in my vulture. Whereas I know in my, my ASP it's like 20, so it's just much easier to fly places in the ASP, yeah. as you would, as you would yeah. expect. Um, yeah. But if I can get it into the system, I don't mind going and visiting the engineer in my vulture. It's just getting there. <laughs> yeah. I've had this thought about it for this Sunday, because I, I should be mentioning this at the end, but one of the things I'm going to do on my Escape Velocity stream on Sunday is go and join in with this buckyball race, hopefully. Uh, which we won't, we won't go into because we're going we're gonna to shout it out at the end. But yeah, that's kind of a that, that's a bit of a flight away, I think, because it's outside the bubble. And I'm thinking, well, I really want to take my ASP to get there nice and quickly. But at the same time, that means I kind of have to earn my buyback for my ASP <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before yeah, Sunday yeah, so that I can risk flying it. Oh, we could possibly cover something that we're not... Well, I wasn't going to cover because I think it's a bit of an exploit. Okay. But a, a few places have been mentioning... Um, the ability for doing the skimmers for stacking massacre missions. So, obviously, if you go find yourself a system that is in war or civil war or something like that, find your massacre missions, pick them up, and you can either be a good boy and take your bunch of massacre missions to a combat zone, kill a load of folk who are the right folk, obviously, to kill, <laughs> and hand it in and get millions. Oh, does that count um, as an exploit now, does it? That doesn't count. I don't consider that an exploit. No. But as some people have found out, you can also kill um, skimmers at if you find skimmers belonging to the faction you're meant to kill. Right. So you can basically go off and murder skimmers very easily, obviously. And I, I do consider that a bit of an exploit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. Um, but that's... If you're wanting to make money quickly, I know people have been making crazy money, like $100 million an hour, doing that kind of thing. Yeah, if you, if you stack the missions. I mean, I know, as you say, like look for a system that's in war or civil war. It's quite an hilarious one in a system called Wonga at the moment. It's in <laughs> civil war. If you go down there, you can stack the massacre missions and make you know a ton of money down there. So, so do you guys so, do yeah, that? Because just... I, I see these things online with people talking about, like it used to be Sothis or it used to be whatever else, and there used to be these kind of sites that people went to to just rack up loads of money. Do you guys kind of follow that and go to where the latest tips are for the, the, the biggest amount of kind of money per hour? I, I don't personally. No, I mean, no not very, yeah. I, I'm, sorry, Michael. No, sorry. Um, I tend not to. Occasionally I've done like Robigo go slave running because it was actually quite fun you know trying to dodge the cops from scanning you because if they scanned you it was mission failed so you lose I think the fuzzle liked that didn't he yeah it was, it was great 
great fun doing stuff like that. But the um, the poo hauling from Sothis is just a bit. <laughs> it's a bit meh, really. No, it's just, yeah, it's I mean, just I, me. I personally don't. Ad- it depends how tight for money I'm feeling, I guess. Um, I did do massacre missions legitimately in a combat zone when the truckers were at war and I was helping the truckers out. And I obviously I picked up my massacre missions, killed a bunch of ships, usually winged up with other truckers, and we just did a whole load of PvE killing ships and made good money doing that. But I didn't go and murder a bunch of skimmers because I could. Hmm. I mean, I don't um, mind. But yeah, I, I didn't just mainly to help quite, the truck. Yeah, I don't mind the skimmer uh, missions because I just I genuinely quite enjoy going down on the planet and looking for little crash sites that have got skimmers out and killing them. Um, that's yeah, that, the this, is, this, is subtle, this is subtly different, though, Chris. Right. Because this is basically you take... You could take a, even a Sidewinder, load it up with torpedoes or missiles, like dump fires, mm. and basically you carpet bomb the place. Uh, okay. And, of course, that, that'll go off and just kill the, kill the skimmers. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're not actually doing skimmer missions, you're doing kill ship missions. Right. But for some reason, skimmers are being recognised as ships, and that's why I consider it a bit, of a, a bit of an exploit. Oh, I see, I'd misunderstood that. Yes, that is definitely an exploit. They need to fix that. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Alright, well, should we move on to the... Unless anything else wants to talk about the crafting commodity stuff, should we move on to the engineering blueprint op- updates that's Mark Allen gave us, Marshall. Yeah, the um, the the engineering update was was essentially just touching on um, beam lasers. So there's going to be different types of beam lasers, such as focused um, and short ranged. Um, and Mark Allen also touched on, you know, the, there were quite a few people that were disgruntled about. Well, we've spent all this time modifying our weapons up to level five or whatever um and now they're being useless so he was just kind of reaffirming well look what you've got isn't going to be useless we're just doing a balanced pass so you know if you've done if you've got a certain type of weapon it should still be okay you know um and that that's really where he's left it there's still no date on actually when the beta that beta um is actually going live so watch this space really i would kind of hope that it would be imminently um obviously with christmas coming up you never know oh yeah out of interest actually how closely have you been following this thread uh not this thread actually the the combat one and um, pretty Chris. closely yeah this they've changed their initial thing to do with plasma accelerators they they wanted to put it i think it's 35 percent damage bonus and mm. they've lowered the damage bonus. but i think I think, as I said last week... They've taken that down to about 10, haven't they? Yeah, they've lowered it to 10. Um, It's it's going to be expected to happen. You look at any online game that's got anything to do with weapons and damage and so on, they're going to constantly be refining um, what what the current kind of... I don't like using the word meta, but I can't think of a better one. Um, (laughs) what, what, What the current meta is... Um, because everybody will go, okay, this is the best ship, this is the best loadout of that ship, and then all you see is everybody in that ship with that loadout, and it gets pretty boring. At least with some of the changes that they're suggesting, it might mix it up, so you're going to get more kind of liquid all sort ships. 
as opposed to your vanilla. This is this is the king of ships. <laughs> what do you make of their suggested tweak to the reboot repair sequence? Oh, um, I think that could maybe kind of make sense. So if you're under a certain speed, your shields come back online. And if you're over a certain speed, your shields don't come back online. Because I think as a lot of people pointed out, well, if you're in a really fast ship, all you've got to do is the second your shields go down, it's disappear, just boost away. You know, if you're going at crazy speed, flick flight assist off on just... Do some throw some shapes and then reboot whilst you're whizzing away. And then what would have happened? It was rebooted, repaired stuff, and gave you half your shield back. So it's just like, yay, I can come back and fight again. Which <laughs> I think Frontier have kind of realised people could exploit that. Um, so they've changed it so that I mean, if you're under a certain speed, your shields will come back. If you're over a certain speed, which I can't remember the exact amount. Your shields won't. It's 50 right. meters a second. Yeah, so you've got to be going pretty slow. So I think that's. Reading between the lines, that's for kind of like the big ships. So if you're in an anaconda that's lost its shields and maybe you've got thrusters offline, assuming that your hull can survive a battering for that reboot repair sequence, which is what? 15 seconds, 20 seconds, um, it'll pop you back up. I don't know, it feels like forever, especially (laughs) (laughs) even at the best of times, it feels like forever. Yeah. But it's nice that it feels like a kind of Star Trek-y kind of, you know, divert all power to shields kind of last ditch sort of survival thing. Yeah. I really love the reboot pair. I remember when they first introduced it, because I don't know if you remember, you know, originally if you had your thrusters shot out or something, that was it. You were kind of buggered because there's nothing you could do. You could there was no repair, no reboot repair. You just have to self-destruct. I remember when a certain infamous commander did that to me back in Alpha. <laughs> it was funny. I was creating myself and I was so annoyed. Yeah, because it's like, okay, I can't do anything now. I can't do anything at all apart from blow up. Or, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I literally cannot move. I'm so scuppered. Uh, that, uh, that was good, good times. <laughs> Have have you been following this argument with the fixed and gimbaled? Because I have to admit, I wasn't, because I got kind of bored with all the salt. I stopped following it uh, a few days after it started getting posted. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know, if it, it's 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 going to be rewarding people with that skill. So there's that progression. So the people that do want to progress onto using fixed weapons, which I think, you know, the whole kind of concept of it in the future is a bit laughable. Um, but obviously... Frontier of building, kind of like a you know a World War Two, you know, having fixed weapons and stuff. Um, I just think it just rewards that type of skill set. So if 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 you could like flying flight assist off, it's very rewarding. I mean, I can't land flight assist off. I can fly flight assist off, but I can't land um, at least not without kissing the ground a few times. Um, but there's other pilots that I know, other players that I know that can do it really really well and it's rewarding so i think the same with fixed versus gimbaled i think you know the first time i used gimbaled from coming from fixed in the side to gimbaled in the side i was like wow this is not easy mode but it makes things a lot easier compared to using fixed so yeah i'm i'm all for the kind of the extra damage or the extra bonuses because it's rewarding skill 
Yeah, and I, I, I think the damage increase needs to be significant for fixed from my point of view because I, I thought coming into this vulture that it would be a good opportunity to start playing with fixed weapons, um, and I actually find that the, the the damage hit that you take through having gimbaled it's worth it for the number of times that you just don't hit stuff with fixed because of things like, as I said, I think maybe last week, um, I had a real problem with eagles. Just, you, yeah. know, for, you know, in a vulture, just eagles suddenly became a huge nightmare for me. And I thought, well, actually, you know, I'd rather just, at the moment, I'd rather just use gimbals and just take the performance hit. Um, but, you know, if they can make fixed, like they're powerful enough that if you do kind of miss one in three shots, that it's sort of still worth doing. Yeah, exactly. And then if you are really good and you can get 18% hits, you get that extra bonus and you're, you know, you're rewarded for keeping things on target. So, yeah. Has there been anything said about maybe making fixed slightly less fixed? No, I know we talked about last week, wasn't yeah. it? Having that kind of, compromise between fix and gimbal like in cqc where there's a little yep. bit of gimbaled a bit more of a wiggle room yeah i haven't i haven't seen anything up from frontier oh. anyway maybe i should maybe i should make a post about that just asking i don't know if it'll go anywhere but it never seems to whenever i say anything but <laughs> i might i might make a post about that because i i i would love to use fixed but even in a maneuverable ship like a vulture I'm, I've always found that the gimbal gives you better time on target. So that's mainly why I don't use this. And as Chris said last week, you can turn off your gimbals if you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I would like to, but I'd like a, I don't know, just a wee bitty more gimbaling if we could get it, maybe. Don't know. Don't know if it's worth it or not. Yeah, but and then you've also, you know, kind of heading into that layer of um, skill set is, you know, are people using a mouse and keyboard? Are people using a controller? Are they using yep. a hot ass? Or you know, what are they using? Because it's, you oh. know, it's all different. I've heard, and this actually surprised me, that for precise aiming, it's actually easier using mouse and keyboard. Yeah, I I know some 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 guys and girls that are really really proficient using just the mouse and keyboard which to me is really kind of alien i mean sometimes i do mm. play with the controller just when i'm feeling a bit lazy instead of yeah. using a, a, you know a joystick and throttle um but yeah using a mouse and keyboard it, yeah but yeah they can and they do so yeah and i've heard that they do so with very very good effects yeah well i suppose you've got you know you've got You've just got that muscle reflex, but but yeah, it would be. I would hate to fly using a mouse and keyboard personally. Mm. I, I don't. I don't think. I it doesn't seem right, but maybe it is. Yeah, maybe. I, I better just for your twitchy shooty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly for things like rail guns. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, I know you use the joystick, don't you, Chris? So I'm just discussing some buffering issues on Twitch. Um, um, apologies to anybody that is getting buffering through Twitch. I am using a new version of OBS that I have not previously used. Um, and at the moment, a lot of the encoding is just set to the default, which is 2,500 uh, kilobits per second. Um, and I'm not sure if that is exactly optimum. 
uh, I'm getting warnings about um, encoding. So I might uh, just stop start the stream on 2000 kilobits per second and see if that fixes it. Oh, fingers crossed, we'll see what happens there. Right, well, shall we... I think... Um, oh, we do have one more thing to say about the... So it was Black Friday, obviously, on Friday. Frontier did a sale. If you're listening to this now, too late, you've missed it. But you might have noticed on the Frontier store and on the newsletter that we eventually got on Monday, wasn't it? The There were some Black Friday skins that came out. Now, I know some people were saying, why am I having to pay for it? Why? A, and other people were saying, well, I've got it for free. Other people saying it's they're having to pay £2. And I think, and you guys can confirm or deny this, anyone, if you had pre-ordered Horizons before Black Friday last year, then you were given the Black Friday skins, and obviously that's continued on for now as well. So that's why some people have got every single Black Friday skin even if they thought they didn't have it, you possibly do. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think, I think that, was, that was why. So you might actually have a Black Friday skin for your Vulture too, Chris. No, yeah, I already had it. And one of the things I found with the um, Vulture was that I really wanted um, some, some brighter, cheerier skins. Because actually, the shape of the Vulture, I was finding that with the, either the default skin or the Black Friday... Unless you take it like in silhouette against something, you're just taking screenshots of nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I thought yeah. it's actually quite nice to have a slightly brighter. I mean, I I love my um, I have the Apollo skin that I use for my Asp Explorer, and I absolutely love the white Apollo skin. So I, I think I tend to enjoy the the brighter ones more. What I actually didn't realise is that when I first got my Vulture. The only skins I had for it were the default ones and the um, uh, the, the last year's Black Friday. And then after I bought the, um, what's it called, the, the Vibrant Pack uh, the other day, I discovered I've got the Lavecon skin for the Vulture. And I'd forgotten that the, that the Vulture was one of the ships getting the Lavecon skin. And I think when I first got the Vulture, they hadn't actually applied it. And of course, it's come with 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 2.2 and they've they've assigned them to people's accounts so yeah i've been i've been missing out on using the lavecon skin for my vulture which is uh watchers just very shiny twitch watchers just saying twitch the stealth vulture is handy yeah there's there's a kind of nice element of being kind of this black vulture which can't be seen but it is really annoying when you want to kind of take nice photography of your ship in picturesque locations and you're just thinking actually the only thing i can't see here is my ship yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I've, so I've gone for what, what did I say? Was it bright green or bright yellow? It was one or the other. I think I think it's bright yellow. I, I think I just, it's a yellow or orange. Yeah, I decided I wanted it to look like Thunderbird Four. I'm not going to do a Thunderbird oh, tangent. No. We're not going to do that again. <laughs> but, Actually, I watched Thunderbirds last on uh, the other day because um, okay, so uh, it's, it's come fault. to Disney XD as well. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll move on from there. Move on. Move on. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Another piece of information that came out on last week's stream with Ed and Zach was that we will be getting ship names coming soon. I know. How exciting. Genuinely. That's why it sounded a bit sarcastic. (laughs) That did sound a bit sarcastic there, yes. I'm I'm a bit like that character from the Mary Whitehouse experience, the guy with the naturally sarcastic tone of voice. It's like you can't actually tell if he's being sarcastic or not. 
No, I'm I'm totally stoked for uh, ship names. That's going to be awesome. Now, what do you think they're going to do with that? Because I know there's been talk that you might get your ship name on your ship somewhere. So, you know, I'm kind of picturing it a bit like uh, Top Gun or something like that, where <laughs> you've got your cockpit and you'd have your ship name stenciled on. Danger Zone. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, what else do you think they could do with that? You know, do you think you'd maybe even have Commander Thane and then underneath the Escape Velocity or something? Or what do you think they're going to do? Uh, What would you like them to do? do No, I don't know. I think they're going to pick the best place on the ship to display a name. I think think that's going to be their first consideration, really, is because not every ship is necessarily going to benefit from from having a name in a similar place. I mean, what I'd really like to see on some... My interest is in something like the, um, say, the Imperial uh, Clipper, is whether or not they put the name of the ship, like, along the nacelles, like Galactica kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, Galactica yeah. has the name, like, in massive letters down the side of the, the, the hangar bays. I think it would be interesting if they did something like that with those Imperial ships. But I think every ship is going to need to be different, you know? I don't think there's going to be a sort of uniform um, uh, kind of logic applied. I think they're going to have to do it on a ship by ship basis. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that just below the, um, I think just below the cockpit is nice for the kind of fighter style ships. Uh, like it's something that would look great on an eagle. Like under the, you know, like under the cockpit. Yeah, like the name of the ship and then the name of the pilot stenciled underneath it. Um, but I don't know. You kind of want it to be. If you're going to have your ship name, you want it to be visible from the outside and from other ships. You don't want it to be like the... Um, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say... Uh, uh, it's quite, you know, it's quite rude. But, you know, there, there's a t-shirt that you can get with tiny writing at the bottom that says, if you can read this, you might as well just suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a hilarious t-shirt. And it's kind of a bit like that. It's kind of like, you know, if you, if you make the ship name too subtle... Um, on your um if you, if you make it too subtle then people are going to have to be within like 10 meters of your ship to actually be able to see the your ship name and i don't think that's necessarily what people want um what would be funny is if there was a, a ship that had the name like right across the back and then you could call your ship i break for trucks or something like that <laughs> oh there's so much that can be done if we can actually yeah. write our own letters on it so someone's asking in twitch chat will they censor ship names i don't know because there was a there was a round of kind of censoring stuff with commander names and i've not seen in game really any like really offensive commander names um but there, there are some weird names out there like i was there's someone the other day posted the NPC called Mrs. Trellis of North Wales, which I am so glad is in the game. That is absolutely 100% inspired. Um, so I think you'll be, you know, um, not be able to call your ship something like really offensive or racist, but you probably will be able to call it, I don't know, the HMS Saucy Mrs. Trustpot or the Boating you know, McBoatface. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots of Shippy McShip faces and uh, Dumbledore's wands and all these sorts of things. So, yeah, it's kind of, you know, I think I think there'll be the usual... Uh, to be honest, I think what it will be is it will be the usual kind of thing that's applied to forum names will be applied when it comes to ship names. I think that's the only way they can do it. I think so. I, I think something that I would like, which is 
a kind of an extension to ship names is kind of nose art. You know, like second world war bombers. Oh, I'd love that. That would be. It would be yeah. so cool if we could have yeah. some kind of nose art. Awesome. So yeah, so I agree. Some nose art would be so good. Yeah. Um, I mean, we kind of get it with the decals, but they're a bit monochromatic. I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. You just, I know some of it. I guess wouldn't be politically correct with semi semi naked women on, but. There's loads, <laughs> yeah, there's so loads of others, you know. You look, you look, just look, you know. You Google it. There's thousands. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, you just made. Oh, that. Yeah, I, I wish we could get that. That'd be so good. What other kind? Okay, just wondering. Actually, slight, slight, slight tangent. What other kind of things would you like to customize the outside of your ship? Mm. You know, it would be we, nice. we get. We've got decals. We've got. We're hopefully going to get something saying our ship name, maybe our commander name. What else would you like? Oh, and we got our um, spoilers on our ships, which of course makes so much sense. Well, and they're <laughs> doing engine. <laughs> Sorry, that was sarcastic. Aren't they doing engine colours? Yeah, right. engine colours and la- and laser colours too. Yeah. Um, Can you think of it? What else could they do? Do you know, the funny thing is, I think I did think of something the other day, and then I've kind of forgotten about it between now and then. I really should write these things down. I think, <laughs> I, I think a, a, a having a damage model, a proper damage model, because you know the Anaconda's the only ship with a proper damage yes. model, if you damage it, whereas all the others, they're not in-game. It would be nice if there was a, you know, you could see through decks and things like you can on the Anaconda when it's damaged. Um, yeah. Obviously, that's not a decal or a ship skin, but that's more to kind of do with the... The ship integrity, I guess. I'm going to have to just stomp on Stephen Usher in Twitch chat. I do apologise, but <laughs> he suggested that the thing he'd like is to be able to choose your own font for your ship name on your ship. No, 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 no. As someone who is a massive font snob, I cannot bear the idea of people choosing their own font names, or choosing their own font styles for their ship name. Well, I mean, how about from a limited selection, though? So you do have a serif, a sans serif, a cursive one... No sans serif, no. No <laughs> cursive. Not unless it's going to be called the, the I don't know, the, the fluffy bunny or something like that. <laughs> um, oh, you, you think it should be like military ten- stencil, do you? I think that Frontier should decide on a, on a font that looks really good on the ships um, and then not do anything other than that. Yeah. Um, because it's just, apart from anything else, it's just, you know, when you do kind of design stuff... Uh, you you know one of the things that kind of gives away badly designed like posters and and things like that is when you have like multiple fonts in use on the same you know on the same kind of poster and stuff and it would just be like that if you got loads of ships in place at the moment and you're looking at like people take photos of all their ships lined up next to each other and you'd just be like oh why why is it why have they all got different fonts that would that you would... know how you want to kill Max Urser I think you really have to kill um, Commander Upbottom, who is suggesting that we have co- uh, Comic Sans. Yeah. It's not Max Urser. No, it wasn't Max Urser. It was Stephen Usher. Oh, um, sorry. Was it Stephen Usher who said that? Sorry. Yeah. I think they should... I think they should... Um, I think they should make fonts appropriate to the faction those ships are, are dealing with. So, like, mm-hmm. all the Imperial ships probably should have their names written in cursive. Just because... <laughs> I, 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 I see the I see the Imperials more being sans serif, uh, more being serif to be honest. 
And I'd, I'd see the Alliance being military stencil and nothing else. Not the Alliance, sorry. The Federation military stencil and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the Federation military ships. <laughs> Someone's just did wingdings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, we have had a couple of sensible sl- suggestions from in-game chat where people suggesting light colours. So I, I like the idea of light colours, but yeah, I'd actually like lights that can actually see something. That'd be nice. Um, Commander Slam Dunk is wanting actually pink lasers. Um, other people are talking about how about actually letting us change the weapon, the weapon colours or the weapon bay door colours. So just a wee bit more customization of your skin, I guess that would be. Um, wasn't the landing gear not coloured, if I remember correctly, on some ships? I'm Pass. not sure. I, yeah, I think it's grey, isn't it? I think it is. It's just grey, yeah. Um, I definitely agree with Slam Dunk when he's talking about why can't we get flags and el- emblems that we could put onto our ships. You know, I'm sure a lot of people would love to be able to fly the the Imperial flag or the Federal flag or the Alliance flag as one of their their decals. Does he mean that, or does he mean you want like nationality flags? Well, I think I, he's, I think he's on about everything. I think so. Right. Yes, probably in-game stuff, but also. You know, let me have the Scottish flag or the English flag or the Canadian flag. Some people might want the American flag. Um, Americans, presumably. Presumably. Maybe Mexicans. I don't know. (laughs) What? Um. (laughs) I'm just keeping quiet. I'm not not interrupting. Sorry. It's it's the best way. Best way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably safest. <laughs> um, so I'm just reading what other things that people are saying in, in game chat, and I think that co- covers it pretty much. So, any, I mean, the thing I've always wanted the most customization in game. I still am hankering for a coffee mug on my dashboard. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like a. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care about my bobblehead. I want a coffee mug on my dashboard. Uh, and obviously, once you get the ability to have a coffee mug on your dashboard, you could also have the ability to have some Lavian brandy or some Centauri Mega Gin, possibly a wee bit of Onion Head. Yeah, some you dual know, relics and all of the rares would be really cool, wouldn't it? So not all of them, because aren't there some things like coffee beans that have been passed through a dead cat or something? Yeah. Okay, maybe yeah, not I'm, not, I'm not sure I want everything hanging around. I'm not sure that's an actual cockpit. thing. <laughs> I'm sure there's coffee beans that have gone for a cat. Yeah, I don't think it's a dead one. Kind of, it might not be a dead one. Um, did, the Sidewinder doesn't have any tissues in it anymore, does it? Because I'm sure when you first got the Sidewinder. Tissues? I'm sure that the Sidewinder used to have a box of tissues. On the right-hand side, at the bottom. Do you know what's great about the Ed Tracker? People on Twitch can see me shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> were you intoxicated, Ben, when you were flying in the side of you? <laughs> no, this is some. I'm sure there was either the Sidewinder or the Cobra had tissues in there. <laughs> Maybe your one did. It's <laughs> <laughs> a special one. <laughs> Uh, I want to. I want to go and have a look in a sidewinder now. Yeah, sadly the 
Oh, actually, you know the thing I'd like the most? I want to be able to tidy up the bloody wires on my anaconda. Yeah, a little bit of little bit of cable ties just to just Yeah, <laughs> I, I want that. <laughs> yes, I would like I'd like that. Anyway, should we move on from this onto the um Actually someone's the... made a valid point. You should yes. be able to customize your flight suit colour. Because, of course, when you're yep. flying the ship, the outside of your ship is the one thing you don't see. Although, actually, I've realised I can see a little flash of yellow from inside my vulture, which is quite nice. Okay. Um, but, of course, when you look down, you see your, you know, you see your um, your legs and arms. Yep. So it'd be nice if you could customise your, oh. your flight suit. Hopefully we'll be getting that with the command creator. Yeah, that would be so cool. So that'll be 2.3, won't it? Hopefully. Um, right, so I think there's one other thing which I thought was kind of important that came out, and that's basically front somebody, and I don't know what this person was thinking, was talking about paying real money for rank boosts. Bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad idea. Um, Have we not got anyone and- on the show that's going to discuss this as being a potentially good idea? Oh, I don't. I don't think anyone is. But so I, I won't name this person because I think we all agree it's a crazy idea. But he's on about paying two hundred dollars to basically get to the top rank in Imperials or something like that. Right. Uh, no, no, sorry. He's he's at count. He wants two hundred dollars. He'd pay two hundred dollars to go from count to to Duke at this point because right. he's just he's he's just sick of the grind. And I I can emphasize being sick of the grind. But Mike, I'd never think about paying even one dollar for that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to attempt devil's advocate. Although I should assure you, my heart isn't really in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. There, there is an argument to say that if you if you just want to play the kind of game that you want to play, and you feel that the gameplay you want to do is up at the the high level, so whether it's the high level of you know federal or imperial rank, or the high level of like elite rank or, or whatever. I guess there's an argument to say that as a consumer you should be able to buy to play the bit of the game you want to play. Like I say, even even as I say it, it sounds rubbish. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of feel I just kind of feel like we should cover both sides of the argument and that's that's the thing I can see as being valid is that if you if you want access to a certain aspect of the game, maybe as a gamer you should be able to buy that bit of the game. I mean, again, that's not going back to kind of rewarding. Well, I'm not to say good behaviour, but you know, rewarding skill. Because you could say, "Well, I'd like to have Shinrata Desra unlocked as well." So you know, where yeah. where would that stop? So, I mean, if you oh, want technically, to do that, I do have that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if, I mean, if you want to do that, you um, you could always go and hire yourself like a uh, like a gold farmer from somewhere. Just get someone to play elite for you for six months. And then take over when they've ranked you up. I think that goes against the terms of service. Uh huh. And obviously, we would never ever consider recommending anything. I'm, no, like no, that. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not recommending it. What I'm saying is, I'm <laughs> saying that I'm saying that people do do it in other games, and it is yes. against the terms of service of other games as well. But it still happens. Mm, it does well, indeed. I, you know, earlier on when the um, the bounty thing wasn't capped at a million, there were lo- well, not loads, but I know that there were websites, you know, advertising we can get you from X and Y if you pay us such and such. I remember someone on the Frontier Forums pointing them out. 
Um, so yeah, it, that that kind of service did exist. I don't know if it does anymore, but mm. yeah. Anyway, thankfully, Brett C came down on that pretty damn hard, saying it isn't going to be happening anytime soon. It ain't going to be happening. Sorry, not even it's not going to be happening anytime soon. It's just it's not going to be happening. It's just so, never happening. Yeah, just not happening. So <laughs> thankfully, he came down kind of hard on that. Right. So we'll jump into newsletter 152, which we belatedly got on Monday, um, apparently because they were doing the, oh, with the Black Friday stuff and so on, they wanted to, they didn't want to do the newsletter on the Friday, so they did it on the Monday, apparently. Um, But there was a couple of things that caught my attention in there. Uh, One was the Colonia Expansion Initiative. Um... Do any Jarvis? Do you want to cover that or Marshall? I've just had a bit of a crash, or, so I'm attempting to get a lead okay. back up. <laughs> okay, right. Um, so basically, the idea of that is various in-game player groups can have, have. They were asked quite a while ago now, or it feels like quite a while ago. They were asked to register their interest to move a portion of their their group out to Colonia to help form the second bubble. And now Frontier are on about, you can basically register your name as a member of that group, it sounds like, using Frontier's website, and say, I'm going to run widgets for the Heart and Truckers, and, except the Heart and Truckers are not wanting to move out to Colonia, um... So I'm going to run widgets for the Hutton truckers. We'll take Jin out to the out to Colonia, and then Frontier when they actually get round to doing the uh, to doing the min- to doing the mini games to doing the community goals for that. They'll presumably have to do a whole lot of back back end stuff so that you can only deposit stuff for one faction. I'm guessing that's why they're asking everybody to register. I wonder if they're going to ignore... Because if you look... I don't know if you've actually looked at that list, but it's massive. It is humongous, isn't it? So I, I don't know if they're going to... Initially, the first pass will be, okay, the top 20 or 10 or 30 or whatever, they actually will be the ones that are being a community goal. All the rest... Possibly. Because otherwise, you're going to be commu- doing community goals out there forever. Going, well, you know, or or do you just say okay well I'll I'll go and actually select so the first team there is the 317th survey team so five people sign up for them seven people sign up for the Shadow Republic ten people sign up for 737 Bass TB TP and so on maybe they're just like okay well if those seven people can do more than those eight people then they then they have a chance to do something. Or it, it might be, I'm going to see if you continue. Um, yeah, I... I Excuse I, me. <laughs> I, I'm just not sure how they're actually going to play that once people have all registered an interest. You know, some groups, you know, like um, Galcop, are going to have a large contingent out there. Um, how... how What's I, I don't I don't I don't understand and you know, forgive forgive me if, they, if it actually actually has already come out I don't understand how they're gonna 
actually run the community goals because if it's if it's going to be like dangerous games there are only how many five or six in the in the, in the, in the, in the dangerous games yeah. proper there are only like five or six or maybe seven. you had the playoffs effectively and then you had the dangerous games and, and then you had the dangerous games so I wonder if they'll do it as playoffs or or what I'm, I'm just intrigued as to how they're going to manage it Ben, I'm just gonna I'm gonna kill my stream and I'm gonna get later okay. to host you because I'm getting uh, I'm getting Elite Are you Dangerous. Dying? Elite Dangerous keeps crashing, um, so I can't very well stream anything. So I will okay, okay. I will switch over to you. You, you guys, you guys host me then. <laughs> oh, I'm not logged in as Lave. Is anyone logged into Twitch as Lave Radio? No, you'll have to log in. Sorry, mate. Oh, ah, no. Okay. <laughs> I will do that. Okay. Now, I think... Uh, Marshall, do you want to cover Zach's response to that? Because some people had a few concerns about things. Um, let me... Well, let we me... try and get this sorted out. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Let me, let me open yeah. for it. I'm just to give a... Cover, us, cover for us. Nobody notices what's happening. Just don't look behind the curtains, guys. <laughs> yeah, don't look. Um... Essentially, Zach is saying um, just about kind of the rules and the regulations that apply out there. Um, any group that is currently existing, so a group like Galcop or Paladin Consortium or whoever, any any group that's applied to be out in Colonia actually exists as a separate entity. So they will be a separate entity out in Colonia, not tied specifically obviously the players may be specifically tied with their player group or not as, as the case may or may not be um i think frontier are just kind of pushing that you know colonia is going to be separate what what does that mean if when aliens arrive do we all kind of head out to colonia to brave new worlds or what I don't it means know. that I, I'm still pretty sure it means that aliens will come and we will die. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Colonia is going to burn, and very nice ship skin there, Commander Fry, Frying Bullet. <laughs> he's, he's flying a Lavecon Asp at the moment. And 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 Zay's other response was people were moaning about, oh, well, you should fix the game before you start doing all of this Colonia stuff. Uh, but his, his other comment, and he's right, you know, there are very few games that you buy with a one-off purchase that you can continue to play uh, since release. Obviously, you know, if you're just uh, an original elite buyer and you don't have Frontiers, there are, there are, sorry, you don't have Horizons, there are things that are going to be locked off to you. Uh, but you can still enjoy at least, you know, a fair portion of the game for your original purchase which i think you know is is pretty decent you know um, everyone talks about frontier's 10-year plan i don't actually remember seeing anywhere frontier publishing an actual or saying it's a 10-year plan but obviously there's lots of other things coming and i know that there there are a lot of talk on the forums about why isn't why isn't um season two finishing in december so it's a year-long season who, who said it was a year's long? Frontier did. To be fair, Frontier certainly... I think in the original Horizons website, they were saying this year or something along those lines. Oh, did they? So that was yeah, probably I don't, the bit I don't think they actually said a season is a year. 
Yeah. But they did, you know, year was mentioned, and that's been changed relatively recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have to admit, I never was under the impression that a year was locked, it was locked to a year or anything like that. It was just like, you know, we, we have Horizons until we have, have a walkabout. Yeah. And we obviously, was it, is it 2.4? We actually don't know what the content is. It's and, yeah, 2.4 is still mystery. Yeah. And now, effectively, you know, we're getting... 2.3 is going to be the Commanders. But basically, we're getting 2.25 or something like that with this beta, tweaky patch thing that they're on yeah. about. Yeah, which they didn't have to do. Um, no. I'm sound, I'm sound, I am sounding like sounding like a fanboy, and suppose I am. <laughs> so, oh, Christ, I, we're doing a podcast about Elite Dangerous, so I think we kind of all are yeah, fanboys. It goes... I, but then again, if you're listening to this podcast, you two are a fanboy, so don't criticise. Or girl, you could be a fanboy. <laughs> or girl, so. yes, 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 yes. Yes, Hercilla will hit me if I don't say that. Yeah. Um, what was the um, the next? Next thing that I really noticed, and this is basically because they're pure, pure awesome, was Commander Arathon, who is an awesome bloke, and does the elite... Elite Dangerous blog, I believe. Uh, he's over the past few while. He's been doing these really great blueprints, and they got picked up on in newsletter one fifty two as well. And it's just basically linking to his blog, showing off his blueprints. And yeah, they they just look great. I'm just and, looking you know, at them now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, you know, frankly, some of them I'd want as a t shirt. Yeah, they are awesome. Absolutely, yeah, awesome. they are very cool. I was looking through. They really the, are. Uh, I was looking through the big edition, looking for any sneaky uh, frontier ships that might have snuck in there. But uh, mm-hmm. he, I thought he might take the opportunity to slip in a uh, a um, a moray or a merlin. But you want uh, a merlin in there, don't you, Chris? Absolutely, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good good luck, buddy. Yeah, and I, luck. I'm sure certain other commanders would want a crate in there. Yeah. <laughs> before we before we get that in. Was there anything else in newsletter one fifty two that grabbed you? Oh, um, I'm gonna have to go and remind myself. Uh, I didn't read it. There was, I suppose it can't have been anything that grabbed me because I'm gonna have to actually look at it to remind myself. Uh, but I do remember reading it and enjoying it. Um, oh, we've got. Um, the uh, actually this wasn't in the newsletter this was the announcement about the the charity live stream i say announcement i think michael brooks and um john virgo crash shared it on facebook so uh, frontier are doing another 24 hour stream uh, this christmas in aid of special effect uh, that's going to be starting at midday on the 19th of December and going through to midday on the 20th of December which is i think same as last year it's a working day again so yep. that's going to be slightly difficult for some people, I think, to get on and fully enjoy that. Um, but at the same time, you know, fair play to Frontier staff not wanting necessarily to do a 24-hour stream <laughs> over the weekend just before Christmas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to be happening. For, you know, yeah. fantastic. And ju- just so you know, Chris, we, Lave Radio, also tweeted it out about two seconds after Mike Brooks did. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, I'm sure. and if you look at the Just Giving webpage which is justgiving.com slash fundraising slash frontier dev, you might notice who was the first commander in there. 
Uh, I, I don't type that quickly. What was it? Frontier Dev? Is that one word? Frontier Dev. I, I, I might have been the first commander to get ah, to get a donation in. So, good booyah! <laughs> good Sorry, I, I, just had to, I just had to get that in there. <laughs> um, uh, I thought Commander Titus Balls has been awesome, donating 50 quid already. Um... Cool. Yeah, sadly, yeah. Sa- not sadly. It's awesome, but I have children. I'm gonna say, I keep saying, unfortunately, I don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah. My my kids get most of my money, and my, my kids and wife get most of my money. <laughs> but I will give what I can to, to uh, special effect. <laughs> I just keep. I just shut up now. <laughs> I mean, we probably don't. For the listeners, need to. Um... Uh, remind anybody but just in case anyone listening doesn't know special effects are a charity who specialize in providing customized gaming equipment so that people with disabilities can still play games so it could be anything from like a modified game pad for somebody that's got you know motor issues with their hands uh, it might be controls for someone that that you know navigates the screen by by kind of looking with their eyes it could be you know any one of a number of things that they do to to help um, gamers with with any kind of disability basically be able to enjoy the same games everybody else enjoys um and they're an absolutely fabulous charity they've been supported by the elite dangerous community and frontier from the earliest days of of, of elite dangerous um and yeah and obviously that charity stream will hopefully be um really entertaining i think because of the days that it is i'm probably only going to catch the tuesday morning which will be hilarious. I'll just I'll just see what state they're in you know, for like the last they're two hours. They're going to be hours. so wrecked. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll 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 have what's left. I'll be fine. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> but yeah, so no, yeah, that, that that was something that jumped out at me. But that was not in the newsletter, uh, which is specifically what you're asking me about. But um, uh... yeah, I think it was the show. No, the, the, so the thing I liked. Although we're not necessarily going to go off on a manic, massive planet coaster tangent, um, but they posted a picture that somebody had done of what looked like a roller coaster inside a a sort of dome on a planet, which was really cool. Did you notice that? Yeah, I saw, I saw some of the and some of the tech from um, Planet Coaster is just yeah, yeah, it's really good. So someone's done what looks like a kind of it looks a bit like an engineer base it's got this kind of dome um with all these sort of futuristic tunnels and and air conditioners and things coming off it and you can see inside the glass there is trees and people walking around on a roller coaster and that's a really effective it's it's a really nice looking um thing that they've built uh, in planet coaster really impressive so it is kind of in keeping with elite because it's basically an elite roller coaster (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I have to admit I am waiting for Planet Coaster to be in Elite <laughs> you know, even if it's just a planet called Planet Coaster or something like that but you know, <laughs> there'll be I have no idea how Frontier could actually do this but you know, when we get Earth-like worlds and the ability to walk around them and things like that you know, if they have any way of doing this Having an Earth-like world with some roller coasters and things like that would be a lovely little nod. Yeah. But I've got no idea how they'd be able to do that, if they'd be able to do that and merge some of the planet coaster tech into Elite. I've no idea. It'll be so good. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. I've just noticed you were saying something about 10 minutes ago about wanting to go to an advert break. Do you still want to do that? Yeah, let's do, let's do that. Okay, give me a sec. Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not quick. <laughs> hey, at okay. least I, I, I was being nice. As You know, usually Fuzzer will say to Grant, and let's go to an advert break. Yeah, yeah, no, I, was totally. like, I was thinking, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll warn Chris and things <laughs> like that. I wasn't watching the chat, so I had no idea that's what he wanted to do. Okay. It's all right. It. Yeah, all right. Go for it. Hi, I'm Trent Stephen Findlist Jr., and I'm here to tell all you pilots about a great new service. Take a listen to my friend, Pete. My name's Pete, and I'm a long-distance haulier. I drive a Puma shipping farm machinery from Leasty to Sawayo. I love my family, and I don't mind being a hard-working blue-collar dad, but I'm tired of seeing my family grow old in front of my eyes. Every time I make the run there and back, I lose 15 days in hyperspace. My family is starting to notice that they're getting older, and I'm not. My wife had a baby last week, did a week of shifts, and now my kids got teeth. I wish there was some way my family could get old at the same speed as me. There is, Pete. How? By buying into my new service, Findlist Cryogenics. We aim to put the freeze on the premature ageing of your family. The process is simple. Our unique family centres allow you to drop off your loved ones on the way to work. Simply hire the number of cryogenic pods you need and keep your family asleep while you fly among the stars. We ensure synchronicity with your flight patterns so they spend the same time awake that you spend in the cockpit. And when you get home, bingo! Your family is the same age as you. Never lose family time in hyperspace again. We guarantee that you'll never miss another birthday, anniversary or funeral. Wow, Trent. That sounds great. Where do I sign? Simply put your credit card details into our special webpage under the hashtag WeFreezeYourLove. We'll take care of the amounts. No need to worry about that. It's so simple. I can't wait to keep my family in a secure block of ice. It's a weight off my mind. Findalist Cryogenics, now at your local spaceport. Findalist Cryogenics, because the family that grows old together goes cold together. On the far side of the bubble, on the dark side of an airless moon, on the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived... The Engineer. The Engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, monkabase, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagum, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat, noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squad, huma huma nuka nuka wapa wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister! You're in the wrong commercial! Well, shit! Fish, because, you know, Right, Javis, Commander, whoever is saying 
you know, that We Freeze Your Love is a awesome advert, but there ain't no irrelevancy in Elite Dangerous. I Why don't you know. tell us a wee bitty about the history of that advert then? Okay. So the history of the advert is it was written way back when uh, when we were still in uh, pre-alpha. We were still just talking about Kickstarter stuff. And all we really had to go on was the kind of Frontier days. So um, in in Frontier, whenever you go to hyperspace, you'll notice that your clock jumps forward like four or five days. Uh, and of course, even when you're flying in system, because you're using the speed up and slow down controls, it'll take you the best part of a day and a half to fly from the edge of a system to the, the station you're heading to. So any given, you know, you you know, you know, fly from like Sol to, to Barnard Star and back and two months have passed kind of thing. And it was just a kind of, you know, it was a, it was a thing at the time that we were kind of talking about relativity in the game and uh, the, the idea that you would need to kind of either take your family with you or put them to sleep <laughs> in order for them to not be like three years older by the time you come back from a, long, a lengthy trade run. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's that. So, <laughs> yes, it's not, it's not strictly canon anymore. You can, we'll, we'll call that a classic advert from, from 3245 or something like that. Um <laughs> Some, something like that but um, yeah I also need to do you know what I really need to uninstall Windows Groove because every time I go to play audio on this this computer for streams it launches the Windows Groove app which for some reason I can't queue multiple tracks in it's just horrible I just want Windows Media Player I don't actually know if we can uninstall Windows Groove I know, anyway, just, anyway yeah. I, want, I want it to go away I want it to leave me alone anyway Anyway, a wee bit of a, of a side track tangent. Um, yeah. A, yeah, a wee bit of a tangent. No Man's Sky, which no Man's is Sky. another space game, had a fairly major update this week. Yeah, Chris, do you want to cover that in five minutes or less? Yeah, I just think I, I think No Man's Sky or thirty had, seconds or less. Yeah, No Man's Sky's had kind of an interesting weekend because they announced um, the uh, they announced the one point one update. Uh, and not only that, it was also in the, obviously in the, the Black Friday, the Cyber Monday, the Thanksgiving, whatever you want to call it, sale. So, um, No Man's Sky originally went from, at launch, it had something like, um, this is entirely based on steamcharts.com, which is a website which keeps track of the number of players actually playing a game. Now, when No Man's Sky launched, because it was so massively hyped, it launched with a player base of about 200,000 players. Within two months, the figures for October, it was down to 2,000 players. So only 1% of its player base actually stuck with the game after two months, which is a, you know, I, I know that some elements of the elite dangerous community will be laughing at that, but, I, you know, we're not haters on this show, and I think it's horrible for anybody to work on a game for that length of time and, and to see that kind of disaster. Um Interestingly enough, though, over the weekend of the 1.1 free, bear in mind, it's a free update, um, 1.1 update and being in the, the sale, which it is, it is still on sale, um, actually its average players have gone back up to 7,000, which is obviously nowhere near, um, you know, it's obviously nowhere near it was, uh, but it has, they have had peaks of... They've had peaks of about eight, 9,000 players, which I think is a, you know, a nice recovery from, from where they were at. 
And it's kind of, do you know what? It's one of the things that's got me thinking about. So 1.1, they've basically released, um, what have they released? Base building. Uh, so now as part of No Man's Sky, you can, you can construct buildings and some things on a planet surface, which from my cynical point of view, really just brings it in line with things like, like, you know, Planet Nomads is in alpha. That's got, um, base building and you've got something like Subnautica where you can build your under, underwater residence. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very similar to that kind of game, I think. Um, but the thing it, it gets me thinking about is that, you know, No Man's Sky was really hyped about how it was going to be this amazing game at launch. And lots of people who were disillusioned with Elite Dangerous in the first year or so of its existence were all saying, oh, well, when No Man's Sky comes out, you know, we're all going to go and play that. But actually, I think Elite, you know, Frontier were always very upfront with Elite Dangerous about the fact that at launch... Elite Dangerous wasn't going to have all of its features. It was going to be playable. It was going to have certain game loops. Um, it was going to be a sort of entertaining flying and trading sim. But the idea with Elite Dangerous is they've always said, we're going to release it, we're going to let you play it, and we're going to gradually improve it over time. And I think most people can see that now, two years on from Elite Dangerous being released, it's a very different game. It's a completely different proposition. You know, whenever anyone says to me now is Elite Dangerous worth getting? I say, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's always been worth having. But for people who who maybe aren't as much of a long, like, you know, a 30-year fan of, of the Elite franchise, um, you know, just as a game or on its own merits, Elite Dangerous is really worth coming into. And there's there's so much gameplay and there's so much to do. Now, No Man's Sky, I, I really wonder if their plan was always to release a game that was quite feature limited and gradually improve it over time. And I wonder how much their, their game has suffered from not being upfront about that being the necessary approach to producing a game of this scale with effectively what is an indie sized team. Yeah. Cause I mean the no man's sky team, it's, I, I'm always, I don't know if they're actually smaller than the frontier team, but they're not like hundreds of people, are they? No, no, they're not. I think they are pretty small, and you know, you just kind of feel for them when they had that original. You know, everyone was kind of paying for their blood, and who's their mm. their own? Is it Sean something or other? But he's yeah, think, Sean somebody or I other. Think he's, he's just kind of come out of um, hiding. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I feel just, really just, bad for the poor yeah, guy. Yeah, you know, he's. I think he's just. I can't remember where the interview was, but I, I remember reading it this morning actually. Um, about him saying stuff is in, in you're right Chris he said you know, it was putting down the foundations I, I think I think they just got their PR kind of really up the kind of swanny initially everybody thought that you know those original trailers that you saw everybody thought that would be what they would get be getting off the cuff and it's just yeah. gonna the hype machine took over yeah. I mean, by I the way Max is, Max Urser is saying there's only 12 people in the No Man's Sky credits apparently that's right. Well, I remember reading about No Man's Sky at one point, and they were talking about being like a three-man team. And I don't know if I mis- misremembered that, um, but it's always been like a really small indie title. And I remember when kind of Sony got their hands on the game, and it became this massive PlayStation 4 kind of title, that actually suddenly the hype machine went into overload, and it became this huge thing. And I think, you know, just not, just not enough of a foundation to support those kind of 
AAA claims. I mean, Frontier have got a staff of what? Isn't there like, isn't there about 100 of them or something? And I think probably... Something like that, yeah. And and 50 or 60 of them working full-time on Elite Dangerous. Mm -hmm. And even... I don't know exactly how many. Yeah, it's something like that. I'm, I'm guessing. Don't, sorry, don't... Don't complain at me, Frontier, if I've got that completely wrong. But I mean, front, <laughs> Frontier, Frontier have a sizable two-story office with lots of people working on uh, Elite Dangerous, and even they. Uh, not only that, very... but they've now got somewhere across the road. But listening to the stream, because it sounds like the Planet Ghoster guys are across the road. After... That's yeah. That's why I didn't mention it. Oh, because it's a. We're just, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm just no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying <laughs> the Frontier are big enough that they have two sites, but one site is Elite Dangerous and the other site is Planet Coaster. So this okay. this two story building is basically just Elite Dangerous um, staff to you know from from a lay lay perspective, and mm. um, I, I think even with that many people, Frontier have been you know very very honest and very clear about the fact that they are still an indie sized studio and actually the rate at which they can get content out really dangerous they have to manage it and be realistic you know they that's why they've been i think that's one of the reasons why things like people say oh can we have planets with atmospheres now and frontier have always said it's not the atmosphere that's the problem it's filling the planet with things that you would expect to find on the atmosphere yeah 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 yeah, absolutely and that's a you know that's a huge chart a huge task um i mean there's an argument to say that every you know every settlement on an atmospheric planet should be the size of GTA Five. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. real life, and it's not. Sorry, I'm not saying that GTA Five is real life, but but it is a representation of a populated human city, and that's what people are going to expect to see on on atmospheric planets. And I think, you know, um, I, I just don't think No Man's Sky were honest about what was going to be realistic that they could achieve. Um, and you know, Star Citizen, they have been much more. Again, I'm not going to get into any hating because I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have time for it in my life. But um, Star Citizen have been much more. Oh, I've blanked on the word. Um, challenging in their view of this is the kind of game that we want to achieve kind of straight from the off and they've gone right in and kind of said we want to have this we want to have first person we want to have missions we want to have storyline we want to have videos we want to have all this this kind of stuff and they've kind of front-loaded their game and said we're going to have all these features from as early as possible but it's you know it's take it's taking them longer to get the game out they are not you know it's not realistic to say we're going to get this game out in a year and it's going to have all the features we promised it's just not practical well, it's, you know, you'll know as you used to be a developer that, you know, you can't just double the developers and expect double the amount of work done. It just doesn't work. Yeah, there's a... Uh, I could quote a book. There's a definite fall... Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's there's a, a book definite falling mythi- off point. Yeah, there's, there's a book called The Mythical Man Month, which I confess I have never read, uh, but I understand that the gist of it is that actually you don't decrease the time a task takes just by adding people to it. It's a... You know, it's 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 a common misconception. My boss always used to say that to me. He used to say, "I used to say it'll take me three weeks." He used to say, "If I get you in a contractor in, can you do it in a week and a half?" I'm like, "No," because I'm going to spend an hour, a week and a half doing my work, and the other week and a half explaining to the contractor what their week and a half's worth of the work is. So you'd be lucky to get anybody up to speed with any project in a week and a half. Yeah. Anyway, let, let's very quickly move on to the main topic that we're meant yeah. to be talking about tonight, which is 
there's been a wee bit of drama and salt and things like that with people combat logging and crime and punishment. A group of people on the forums and Reddit went off and checked. Basically, I'll, I'll be I'll be nice and I'll say they they tested Frontiers um, systems to see what would happen, and by deliberately combat logging with their own alternative accounts and things like that. And they did a whole load of tests, and frankly, Frontier didn't come out of that smelling like roses. Um, Zach made a response basically saying, yeah, we didn't, and we, we should probably look into some more things. Is there anything there about the testing and stuff like that that they did and Zach's response that anyone wants to dive into? Yeah. I mean, let, let's be clear that the... the I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm briefly just coming to terms with the fact that I'm actually involved in this episode for this discussion. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for the record, everybody, we actually have to thank Jarvis very much because he kind of stepped up at the last minute when, <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, both Commander Fozzer and Commander Collins, Phoenix Defiers kids have wound up being fairly majorly badly. And Jarvis basically dialed in at the last minute. So thank you very much, Chris. No, 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 it's good. It's just I, I looked at this topic being on the discussion for tonight and I was like, oh, the, I have said all I can say about the, the, any PvP related topic. But um, I mean, it, it's worth bearing in mind that, that they, they set a trap for Frontier essentially because they wanted to see that Frontier were dealing with it. And then when they got what they felt to be no response to these reports of combat logging they then went kind of public with it and posted it all over reddit and youtube and that sort of thing and what they essentially did was they staged some combat logging so they got they got some people to volunteer to combat log and and they combat log you know and they they recorded it and they made a complaint to frontier and of course the person who they complained against never received any kind of infraction from frontier um which, you know, from one side of the argument appears very damning. But then at the same time, you know, Frontier have got it from the point of view that, that everyone is their everyone is their player. This is what I always say about this game. Everyone comes to this game and wants to play it a particular way. And and in some respects, Frontier don't want to be in the position of being the kind of well if mum says no, ask dad kind of thing, of having to you know, come down hard on one group of players for the benefit of another group of players. I mean, they haven't done it for, for all the complaining about PvP and griefing. They haven't come down hard on unbalanced PvP or griefing. Um, and now people are turning around and expecting them to come down hard on people who don't want to get involved in, in PvP. Now, the, you know, there are... There are different examples of it. I mean, in some instances, there's a case of somebody getting involved in a fight and then combat logging when they start to lose. Um, but and, and and I do also. I mean, I I'm obviously fully behind the argument. And again, I promise I'm not going to get into it again. You know, if you don't want to get involved in a fight and you're going to combat log, just play in solo or a private group. I mean, actually, can I dive in for ten seconds there? You know, I, as I said, I was doing the community goal stuff. 
and I was flying into the system where I saw the community, where the community goal was. I was in open, and I saw in hyperspace there were a wing of three third lances. I freely admit I did an emergency drop down to normal space, and then I lo- went to the main menu and I went into private group because I just like I wasn't wanting to deal with. What I was assuming, and I might be doing them a disservice, I was assuming that they just wanted to kill me, as opposed to an honest piracy. And I was just wanting to crack on, rather than face the problems. Well, it was, I mean, it was a blockade. And, and you know, the, mm. I, I understand the arguments from both sides, because, like, like, I mean, I'm kind of with the thing that, from my point of view, if I'm getting involved in a CG, I want to contribute to a CG, and I don't want a blockade of, you know parked up lorries stopping me from getting where I want to go or you know or people PvPing me you know isn't that called the French yeah um, (laughs) to to stop me from achieving what I personally want to achieve in the game but then there is another argument to say that blockading a PvP sorry blockading a CG you know is part of the gameplay and if you're going to get involved in the CG that you should engage with the the challenges that you have to overcome to complete it but you know, the, and this is this is the point I want to kind of get to is that there are two sides to look at it, and the problem is with there being two sides, you can't set up Frontier to fail by saying, "Well, we're going to stage some combat logging, and then get you into trouble when you don't do anything about it," because Frontier are selling the game to the combat loggers just as much as they are to the PVPers, and everyone you know plays the game they want to play it. Um. You know, that said, I do think combat logging is wrong. Um, someone in Twitch's chat has said, if you fight, you stay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's just frustrating. And, and someone has mentioned the words, the words crime and punishment. I am not going to say anything about crime and punishment because over the course of this podcast, over, over how many years, I have said as much as I am ever going to say about how this oh. game needs oh. proper crime Chris. and punishment. So I am ducking out at this point, but... Can I ask you not to duck out on one thing? Uh, Why is it an orange sidewinder? Okay, yeah. So way back in episode... I think it was like episode four of Lave Radio. Don't mind, this <laughs> very, was like, very early. Yeah, this was like three years ago. We said that they should have a, a crime system whereby when you got... Um, when you got convicted of a crime in the game, instead of being fined or instead of being killed, you should only be able to fly a community service sidewinder for a week. So whenever you look at, you know, so you're not being instanced off into a, a you know, a, a sin bin. The idea is that when you get caught, you get put in an orange sidewinder of community service and you're forced to do things like ship garbage or break rocks or, or any of those sorts of things so that that is why lave radio has an orange sidewinder um because the orange sidewinder became our our catch-all phrase <laughs> for crime and punishment and it's you know like i said i don't i don't really know what else i can say without repeating myself horribly but the game needs a way of having lawful behavior and having non-lawful behavior and enforcing it with gameplay and until it does that the pvp argument will always be held up between people who just like to shoot stuff and people who don't want to be shot at and and without a proper uh, crime system you know without a proper legality framework in the game that is never going away 
Um, and I think as long as it is a game which is a kind of sandbox where anything goes, I don't. I, I find it really hard to judge combat loggers because yes, they're annoying, um, but are they any more annoying than someone in a fully kitted fur de lance who's wailing on you in your tiny little hauler? I, I just, I, I personally don't see it. It's, it's just as annoying. So, again, I don't, I mean, I don't know I, I'm here for this. <laughs> <laughs> You're here because you don't have kids who are in hospital. No, well, so, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Go me. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I would, I've always adhered to that kind of idea as well. Of you know, we want some kind of, or at least I would much rather some kind of punishment where I'm in my Asbo Sidewinder collecting four tons of junk, and maybe I've got to collect you. Know, a hundred tons of junk or something like that from around the station before I'm allowed back into my ship. Now, maybe in dubious systems, you might be able to buy your way out of that. Obviously, I expect to be able to run from somebody trying to arrest me and various other game mechanics to take place, but fines and bounties just don't do it. they're They're easy to circumvent. There, you know, I I can. Okay, I mean, at, at the moment I've got how much? One. I've got about a hundred. Oh, maybe about fifty, seventy odd thousand. No, actually, I've got an eighty-six one. So I've got one hundred fifty thousand credits of bounties to collect. But I know there've been some times when I've had similar kind of bounties held up against me, and all you have to do to get round it is jump into a sidewinder, commit suicide, and your bounties are gone. And, you know, that's frankly a joke. You know, you... you I think there's, I think you, there's one caveat. I think caveat. when you die, you pay off some of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think there's one caveat, which is that if the solution was easy, Frontier would have done it by now. Mm. I think the Absolutely. fact that they haven't done it means that it is, it is a very complex gameplay area. I mean, if I was... If, if I were to criticise it for anything, I, I would say that it, it feels like the kind of in-game mechanism that should have been part of the design spec from Alpha 1. It, yes. should, have been, it should have been part of the fabric of the game. And the fact that it isn't means it's. I think it's going to be quite a difficult thing, presumably, to implement. I think you're, yeah, I think you're sadly probably quite right there. But I would, I'd love... I don't agree with making it... You're in prison and you can do nothing for a week. But making it some kind of gameplay where you're in a sidewinder with, say, 10 tons of cargo space because you don't have a frameshift drive, and you all you can do is fly around Lave Station collecting rubbish and you don't get your ship back until you've collected 10 tons, 100 tons, whatever, of rubbish. That seems fair to me. Um, it seems a suitable punishment because obviously your account basically can't do anything until you've served your time. But it's still gameplay a gameplay mechanic. Um, but there is potential there for really. I th- I do think there should be maybe there should be some kind of way for. I should have a chance to avoid that as well. So you know, let's say Lave is after me. 
I would make want to make damn sure that Lave does not find me. Yeah, I do not want to be caught by Lave authorities because I know that I'm such a dastardly pirate that I'm going to be picking up rubbish for the next week of real time. And obviously, that's probably not my idea of fun gameplay. Yeah, I think I think you, but, you want to make crime and punishment fun. Well, not yeah. fun, but, you know, make it rewarding. So you remember on the earlier Elite series, you know, you had the outlaw mm-hmm. kind of tag. So if people are going down the bad guy route, make it fun for them so that they have to stick to anarchy systems. Maybe they can't dock in normal systems. Maybe they're shown up on the galaxy map so everybody can see where they are. Make it fun. Uh, you know, I, it- I actually bet that the certain notorious commanders would love to have their location displayed for everybody in the galaxy map. Yeah, see, that, so you have that level of notoriety, so people will know where you are, so that you can, you can have a hard time. But then, if you say, if you get caught, then you have your punishment that you have to serve, which you both kind of touched on. So, it, it, it yeah. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's certainly a, a massive challenge for Frontier to do something that's balanced for, for both parties. Have you, you know, obviously Chris and I have both covered crime and punishment in the past. Have you got anything that you'd like to extend on with your ideas of crime and punishment, Jarvis? Not Jarvis, sorry, Marshall. There's a whole gamut of different options, you know, I've seen on the Frontier mm. Forum. Um, a cost of, a percentage cost of the rebuy of the ship that you've destroyed. Because remember, we're all part of the Pilots' Federation. So with the Pilots' the, yep. the pilots Federation allow members to kill each other, well, maybe not. Maybe if you do... I think it actively decor- discourages yeah, it, really. so, so a, a, a potential discouragement. If you see someone in a, I don't know, an anaconda, and you destroy them, their rebuy is, what, 20 million? You have to pay a percentage of their insurance when you die. Um, so it's that. like... Uh, what happens in Grand Theft Auto? In if you kill some, if you destroy somebody else's vehicle, then you pay the vehicle rebuy cost yeah, rather than them like paying that. it. And, and I, yeah? think, I think you could also tie in their combat rank. Um, so if mm-hmm. you kill someone that's harmless, because otherwise, because what would happen in that scenario that I just gave? It would all it would mean is people wouldn't kill people in big ships; they kill people that are in you know, sidewinders and adders and things. So you would need some kind of weighting against someone's combat rank. So if they're harmless, there's a default payment for killing someone that's below your combat rank. Or There's a whole different, you know, there's loads of different things that I could... I, I, I think you should actually lose reputation as well. I mean, we kind mm-hmm. of have reputation in the game as a one-way thing. And I actually think, you know, if it is your reputation... What kind of reputation does an elite pilot have if they're killing harmless Sidewinder pilots in an elite anaconda? Their reputation should drop because yes. their reputation has, in the real world, dropped. And I think, I mean, that's you know what? That's not gonna that's not gonna fix it for all of the players out there because I, I always tell the story. But when I used to play. Um, Alien vs. Predator 2 online, we used to play a mode called Hunt, which is basically you have, say you have 10 players on a server, one of them is the Predator, and the other nine players are Marines. And only the Predator can score. So the Marines don't win any points. You only win points 
by killing the predator then you take the predator's place and then you can hunt the other players for points that's how the game is designed that's how the game works and on more than one occasion you would get someone who would come into the hunt game mode and just treat it like deathmatch and they'd be running around killing other players going i'm owning you i'm owning you and it's like dude Look at your score. You're on minus 30 points. You're on minus 30 kills because you're killing the wrong person. But the thing is, for, for some people, for some brainless, idiotic players, they don't care what the mechanism is or what their actual in-game score is. All they care is that they see other players exploding in front of them and not actually putting up much of a fight. So I don't think it's necessarily going to fix it for everybody. But I think for an awful lot of players who do appreciate their their in-game score if you're trying to build yourself up to an elite combat rank suddenly you're not going to be attacking anybody who is a lower rank than you because you want to make kills that is going to increase and not decrease your own standing that's that's one of the things i you know i think about it um and i also think that's, you know, you that's getting have... a plus one from the twitch stream by the way that idea is it is it awesome and i also think you know we've, we've got all these these different political areas i think that you can be you know we always talked about in ddf days you could be a criminal to the federation and a hero to the empire mm. and, th- and that, that, that that's something that really bugs me is that you can rank up with both of them yeah um, yeah i mean you know in the real world snowden can't come to america yeah. That's, yeah, that's how crime and punishment. That's because works. Snowden is a mountain in Wales. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But you know, he's sorry. Yeah, but I mean, he's committed a crime significant enough in the eyes of the American authorities that he can now not set foot on American soil. Now, you should have a thing in Elite Dangerous whereby, depending on the level of your crime, maybe you can no longer traverse Federation space without being intercepted by the police. And maybe that's the kind of life you've chosen. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, no more to say. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's basically, there's there's been a massive stink about it recently on the forums. It's been picked up a wee bit by the media. But it's it's... Something that's been covered to death so many times as well. Um, I think, yeah, I, th- I think we've all kind of said what we want to say about it, really, haven't we? Yeah, I think you're, gonna, you're on that merry-go-round, as, as, as Chris said, until Frontier do anything. That merry go is going to carry on going round and around. It probably is. I mean, it's like I say, if, if, if I were to summarise it, I would say that Elite Dangerous has been presented as a game with, you know, it's a sandbox with no enforced gameplay rules. And therefore, I think you've got to say, well, there are no enforced gameplay rules. And leave it at that. I mean, you know, I really don't know what else to say. I mean, like I say, I personally don't see the point of going into open play and then combat logging. Um but yeah, agreed. I, I, I wouldn't go into mm. open. I mean, I, 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 I might be somebody who might consider combat logging if a player kept harassing me and I just wanted them off my back. Um, but that's, those are all the reasons why I wouldn't be there in the first place. So I've, I've kind of, I feel like I've made my decision up front. Um, and, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, combat logging is, is wrong. Um, but lots of other things players are doing are wrong. And that's not against the rules. So mm-hmm. there you are. 
Right. Somebody said something about the Christmas Carriers Convoy. Who was that? Uh, it was in the newsletter. Was it? I've read it somewhere recently, so it must have been in the uh, newsletter. It yes. might not have been one of our... Yes, it maybe. Was. Yes, in a Christmas Carriers Convoy, the Colonial Citizens Network are gearing up to assemble the largest merchant fleet in history. Starting with this superb trailer, which obviously I can't play for you. Uh, the convoy will bring the next influx of colonists along with equipment, military hardware and Lavian brandy. Uh, that means all the Lavian brandy stocks will go down again. Never mind. <laughs> our bar's going to be running dry. Um, the convoy and it's not going to help our reputation either. No. <laughs> I think we're, all re- we're at 7%, aren't we? Still. Yeah. The convoy will be departing the bubble December 2nd. For more information, head over to the dedicated forum post. There is a forum post called the Colonia Citizens Network, and there is information all in there about how you can join in the convoy uh, and ship stuff to Colonia. Basically... 2nd of December. So, uh, Friday that starts. Well, December already. I know. God, I know, I know. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Now, I haven't seen any questions from Twitch or Facebook of you guys. No. Let me just check Twitter for you, although we don't really get many questions. Not Twitter. Twitter. I meant Twitter. I meant Twitter, actually, not Twitch. Oh, okay. Uh... Oh, no. No, no, nothing there. So I think you know we do want to mention that the that the kick the alien buckyball race is going on, as we mentioned in last week's newsletter stuff. Um, that's been extended by another week, I believe. Um, yep. So that's been extended by another week to the eleventh of December. Now. The current winning time is around about the seven-minute mark, um, with, I would say, the average time is around about 15 minutes. It's not a hugely long racetrack. I know you're talking about doing it on Sunday, aren't you, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I'll come to that. This, yeah. this is what you're on about doing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'll do, yeah. Um, so we'll be, you know, that's obviously going on, and get your stuff in there. There are prizes, I believe, to be won. Or it might just be kudos, but I, I think that I'm pretty <laughs> sure I remember seeing prizes before I go and say anything. I better just check as Commander Alec Turner is doing this. Let me just double check this before I before I commit anything. <laughs> um, maybe there isn't. Doesn't say oh. anything about it on the thread. Okay, yeah, for, forget about prizes. Sorry, guys, and sorry, Alec. I didn't. I could have sworn, sworn I read something about it, but okay, apparently I didn't. Forget it. Nothing to see here. Moving on. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, right. Yeah, you coming to me because I'm, I'm next on the thing. Uh, I well, actually, you you went okay. Breaking the fourth wall here. Sorry, Fozza, but yeah, you you actually put your stuff right in the middle of the kick the alien things, Chavis. And thank you so much, sir. Oh, sorry, you must have been editing it while I put it in. <laughs> it's <Sorry> okay. <laughs> I'll move it. It's fine. So. Doesn't really matter. No one else is going to see it. It's just us. That's true. So, but yes, it's your it's your final grand finale on on Sunday, and you're doing lots of stuff. 
Yeah, so although despite the fact tonight's attempt to stream to Twitch went horribly wrong, so I obviously need to do a bit more testing before Sunday. Uh, again, I'm going to be streaming on Twitch uh, via the Lave Radio channel from 12pm on Sunday, uh, streaming all the way through to the uh, Escape Velocity uh, Episode 6 premiere at 9pm. Uh, and one of the things I'm going to be doing during that stream is I'm going to go and try and join in with this Buckyball race. Um, I have been told by... Uh, um, <laughs> By uh, what's what's his name? Um, I've forgotten his command. Alex Turner. Yeah, what's his oh, command? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. What's <laughs> Alex? Alex Turner is his commander name. Oh, is it? it? Is, okay. Yeah, okay. It's just Alec, it's just Alec Turner. Yeah, okay. no, I've been I've been told by Alec that I'm not allowed to use May's powers to uh, try and uh, improve my um, <laughs> improve my finish time. I have told him that I am expecting the way I drive an SRV. My aim is to finish the course. If I finish it with an intact SRV, I will be a very happy man. Um, and, uh, yeah, because he said that even though it's outside the bubble, uh, he reckons it's only about 20 minutes of flight to get there. I mean, that's obviously very dependent on what kind of ship you're flying. I suspect it would take my Vulture longer than 20 minutes to get there. Um, but, yeah, we'll see, I guess. So that's one of the things I'm going to be doing. Uh, I'm also going to have some guests on. Hopefully, Zach Antonacci is going to join me for a bit. I've got... Uh, Amy Timms, who plays May Havelock, coming on and joining me for a bit. I'm going to be doing some giveaways. I've got a bunch of stuff to give away during the stream. Um, there is a chance for people who are not currently Patreon backers to get their hands on the Patreon-only USB cards. There'll be information about that on the day. Um, and I'm going to be live streaming some other stuff. And one of the things I've told my backers I'm going to be doing... Um, I've talked to you guys before about how terrifying I find Alien Isolation, haven't I? Um, so much so yes you did yes yeah so much so that even though I love that game um, what I got to the level where the alien actually appears and I have not touched the game since (laughs) so just to give my audience a laugh I'm going to fire up Alien Isolation for the first time in 12 months and attempt to get back into it from the point where the alien appears Um, I'm going to give a language warning right now um, because that game terrifies the tits off me um, so it should be funny for you guys to watch me do that. <laughs> um, and I'm also going to be I'm going to be streaming a couple of other sci-fi gamey bits as well. Uh, it's not just nine hours of Elite Dangerous, but it will be. I am sticking to the kind of space theme. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much everything I think I need to say on that. And okay, so I guess we'll wrap it up there. So oh, shout out, shout, shout, shout you, out. You you have a shout out. Yeah. Do you have a shout-out, Andrew? I do, yeah. Go on, Chris, you go. Okay. Um, Well, uh, Darren Gray, who some of you know is an Elite Dangerous uh, author and general round community good guy, is currently working on a game that is in a Kickstarter at the moment. It's called Jupiter Hell, and it is a roguelike space marine type game it's sort of loosely based on the doom roguelike that the developer originally created and for people who don't know what that is um they've kind of one of the things they've mentioned is it's a bit like a top-down turn-based alien breed tower assault so for those of you who are old enough to remember alien breed for me that's a very exciting reference for them to make because i absolutely loved alien breed Um, and interestingly enough i learned today John Carmack, the original creator of Doom, has backed Jupiter Hell. And Jupiter Hell is one of only three Kickstarter projects that John Carmack has actually backed. So if Carmack likes it, 
Wow. You can too. And if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to play out over audio. Uh, you won't be able to see the video, which is a shame because it has uh, footage in it. But um, they've got the voice work from Mark Mir, who some of you will recognise as Commander Shepard uh, from the Mass Effect series. Um, he has he is doing the voices for the game, and he has done a little Kickstarter advert for them. Um, just before I start playing it, I'm going to issue a language warning. If anybody is concerned about some some fairly hardcore bad language, they might want to mute their speakers um, for the next 45 seconds. Okay. See- Hi, I'm Mark Mir. You might remember me from the time I saved the galaxy by giving big heroic speeches to a plucky band of space heroes. Wasn't that fun? (laughs) This time, I'm going balls deep in demonic carnage while putting a shotgun to the mouth of every motherfucking monster who crawls out of hell. Jupiter hell. Now on Kickstarter. And there you go. That was that was awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a real, yeah. it's a real shame you can't see the video because it has it has clips of the the actual game they're working on, and it looks really. You know, they've said they're aiming for kind of XCOM two quality kind of graphics to the scenery, um, and that's that's quite unusual for a roguelike. And what's really interesting is if you watch their trailer, um, they show clips of an ASCII version of a roguelike and a kind of impressive version with space corridors and crates that blow up and flamethrowers what's really interesting with jupiter hell is it's the same game if you want to you can play the game in ascii text mode or you can play it in full 3d graphics mode and i think that's a really cool design decision I don't know. I'm, I'm not getting anything back, so maybe you guys don't think that's really cool. But for no, me, no, I do. I think that's, I was just thinking, how does that work? What can you can you switch it on the fly? To it's basically it's basically that they're they're committing to it being exactly the same game in ASCII as it plays in as it plays in 3D, and they've been working really hard on an animation system because a lot of people were looking at it and saying, "Oh, is this real time?" And it's like, no, actually, it is turn and grid based. But they've designed an, an animation system such that if you're controlling your buttons fast enough, it looks like real-time animation because all the moves are smoothed from one frame to the next. It looks really cool. Go check it out. It's called Jupiter Hell. It's on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, they're about just over 50% of the way through their funding and about 50% of the way through their time. So they do need more people to go and back it. But it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great little game. Right, well, let's give a quick shout-out to the commanders. It's been quite busy outside of Life tonight. We've, so I want a quick shout-out to Commander Backrum, Commander Eyes, Commander Frying Bullet, Neotic, Slam Dunk, Upper, Bot- Up- Upper Bottom, Cosmic Creepers, and Sno- Smoku. Also, thank you very much, guys, in ISC channel. I was there, I promise you. Um, and Commander Batster, M- Commander Marshall has actually joined the crew now. I'm guessing you missed the end, the beginning of the show. Um, I have, yes. But sorry, I, I, I didn't realise that you said that. Early, I didn't realise. No, I'll get my tongue back in. I didn't realise that you missed that earlier, and I'm sorry that I didn't see it for about 40 minutes because you didn't tag me in the game, so IRC wasn't shouting at me. Um, so, Marshall, you've got some shout outs you're wanting to give? Just, just one shout out to um, Commander um, Paroxim. Um, he's been putting together. Um, some some videos for the player group that I'm part of, Paladin Consortium. Um, and if anyone wants to have a look at them, um, you can find them 
at Proximal Gaming on YouTube. There's some lovely fun stuff about some of the events that we put together. So yeah, props to him for putting all the effort into producing those videos for us. It's much appreciated. And obviously, Jarvis, you're doing your Escape Velocity stuff. Anything else you wanted to give a shout out for? I haven't even thought beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, in that case, then, thank you very much to all the awesome guys in Lave, in the Lave Radio Twitch chat. And that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you want to get in touch with the show, then you can email us on info at laveradio.com. We're on Facebook slash Lave Radio. We are at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join our Discord channel by going to tinyurl slash Lave Radio. We're also on TeamSpeak, where commanders hang out and chat, which is at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live every Tuesday evening at 8.30 British time, and we're streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. Thank you very much to Jarvis for coming in at the last minute. Thank you very much for Marshall. I really hope that your kids get better, Colin and Jarvis, Colin and Jarvis, Colin and Fozzer. Once again, thank you very much to everybody who's been outside of Lave Station. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Galnet News Digest, 29th of November, 3302. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Kahina Loren killed in ambush. Exodus expedition found in Formidine Rift. Ramtam's damp squib. Black Friday shortages make rich pickings for pilots. Kahina Loren killed in ambush.
Kahina Loren is believed dead after the prison convoy in which she was being transported was attacked and comprehensively destroyed by persons unknown in Daibo. Wreckage has been found of the Imperial Cutter and four clippers that formed the convoy, which was heading to Kuntz Asylum. The pilot who discovered the wreckage is quoted as saying that the escape pods and black box recorders were comprehensively destroyed. It seems that the attackers wanted to make very sure there were no survivors. Many crew and many prisoners are believed to have died in the ambush, along with Lorraine. Senator and chronicler Drew Wagar is reported to be distraught. Exodus expedition found in Formidine Rift. The ongoing Raxler and Federation-sponsored exploration of the Formidine Rift, the Conflux and Hawkins Gap has resulted in the discovery of a number of unregistered beacons that may give clues to a secretive expedition. The beacons are unlocked using the keyword Exodus and give fragmentary information about rallying points for something called the Dynasty Expedition. Details are currently sketchy, but it seems likely that the expedition may have used technology from the now-defunct Metadrive Incorporated, and that it went missing in mysterious circumstances. We'll bring you more information as the story unfolds. Ram Tam's Damp Squib After thousands of pilots rallied round to collect data from the mysterious Snayuf ruins, engineer Ram Tam has found out absolutely nothing, leading to speculation that he might either be hoarding the data for personal gain or that he's just not very good at his job. Tam has since denied the speculation and has claimed to have made a breakthrough. However, he said he's not yet ready to share his discovery with the galaxy until he's had time to test his theory which makes it sound like he doesn't really know what he's doing. Black Friday shortages make rich pickings for pilots. A well-known retailer was caught short this week after dramatically underestimating demand for its midnight black paint jobs. However, independent pilots have rallied around, taking the goods to Chernobog Free, a spokesperson for the company, Zachary C. Merritt, was quoted as saying that the galaxy has the most wonderful community ever and that Frotter Developments is the greatest company to work for ever. Meanwhile, a spokesman for rival company Trotter's Space Industries pointed out smugly that they have no shortage of spaceship JPEGs. And that's this week's Galnet News. We read the Galnet News so you don't have to.